reality. We're talking for real now on the Requiem Metal Podcast. I'm Mark. And I'm Jason. And uh, we've been alluding to these episodes for a while. That we have. Uh, 1985, the year Rock Hudson died, tragically of AIDS, the first celebrity to be in the public eye to die of the disease. Yes, the uh, also the year that Yul Brenner died. Oh, Yul Brenner, fantastic movie, Westworld, I highly recommend yeah. it. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a weird one. Didn't they turn that into a weird TV series, too, it was based on? I don't know. Never saw it. The movie was good enough. They also had Future World that was the sequel to it, which oh. wasn't quite as good. Okay. And uh, this is also the year of the uh, We Are the World Ethiopian famines, uh, the, the the horrible earthquake in Mexico City that wiped out uh, 10,000 people, 30,000 injured. But we did have the Gorbachev and Reagan summit, that as we it did. were. That we did. So, so uh, it was a very metal-esque type of year, and an appropriate year uh, to uh, get our aces high as we uh, start things off on our number 10 year in the uh, top 10 years of heavy metal history. And, and this is totally arbitrary, but it's just our... Sure. You know, it's a list. And uh, and I guess the criteria that, that I don't know, Mark and I kind of approached it with was uh, we didn't really do anything too technical. We just kind of wrote a lot of things down and kind of went with our gut initially and uh, you know surveyed some people a little bit and kind of got some feedback on what people thought um, in terms of you know at least the best years, uh, which helped us, I think, with the... Uh, I guess our top two or three that we'll be getting to in subsequent weeks down the road. And uh, the tougher part was kind of whittling it down to 10, I guess. And uh, 1985 squeaked in just ahead of 1980 and 1983, which were... And I think there was was a lot of years where there's like two or three great records, but there wasn't like... 10 or 12 great records. That's kind of our criteria, I think. Yeah, it's a a tricky one. And, um, you know, I mean, initially... I guess what what did it for us with with 85 was there's just some really seminal records uh, from a lot of bands that that meant a lot to to metal, you know, whether it be, you know, Anthrax, Frost, you know, Possessed, um, you know, I mean, even Slayer uh, Mm kind of upping it, Annie and Exodus, you know. Um, So, you know, it's it's tough to. You know, lose your your favorite children and, and cut them free, but we had to with certain years that were uh, special to us. And you know, it's tough because you know, I I had told Mark I I wanted to you know I wanted to be open enough to like be diverse to maybe include something from the seventies if there was a particular year. And we looked pretty heavily at nineteen seventy six for a while because the debut of Priest and and well not debut but Sad Wings and yeah well the um, real Priest yeah and I mean there was there was a lot of things kind of converging in seventy six as well. But uh, you know it, it's just so hard because I guess heavy metal as a concept didn't really arise until the early eighties in yeah. terms of being like a constructed you know. I mean, the, the, we saw format, like, yeah, know? we saw little bits of it and uh, roots of it, I guess, back in the 70s. But there's still so much, you know, blues based hard rock stuff that it didn't really. Yeah. I mean, we could have done like a 20 part series, but you got to kind of draw the parameters yeah, exactly. somewhere. Exactly. And, you know, it's it's kind of arbitrary in a way because, you know, to have a, a heavy metal uh, countdown of the top 10 greatest years and not have any years with like a particularly you know, remarkable Black Sabbath record is sort of, yeah. you know, I mean, that's kind of, it's silly in a way, but again, Black Sabbath was, uh, kind of existed as an anomaly. Well, that's, that's kind of a given too. It's like, you know, it started there. Exactly. Most people think exactly. that, but, but we're, so we're 
kind of looking at uh, you know the years that that had uh, impacts, you know, in terms of you know resonating through the the scene, I guess, and kind of genre wide too, from from thrash to you know stoner stuff to uh, yeah. you know I'm Celtic Frost is. Is almost as close as you get to death metal possessed, yeah. you know. Well, and we tend to lean on the the extreme side, being that, that we mostly cover the the more extreme stuff, and, and you know we're open minded enough to even have some you know punk things and, and different things like that on here. Well, crossover punk, don't forget crossover. Yeah, yeah, this was the one that divided the punks and the metalheads. This so. is true. And you'll have to find out what that is if you're a keen uh, resource <laughs> of 1985 history. You you may uh, know what's on the docket there. So, but we thought we'd open something up that was. Uh, you know, incredibly familiar to most people, even familiar to most people in 1985, you know, I mean, oh yeah, I mean, this this is, uh, Live After Death from Iron Maiden was like, I mean, that was one of their biggest tours, I mean, they sold out and, where are they they playing in California, and, uh, no, they're playing in California and sold out like three days in a row in this huge arena. I mean, mm-hmm. it was almost unprecedented. It's probably the biggest year of their career. I was going to say they were probably at the top of their game. Totally. You know, this yeah. is this is the peak almost of the phase one of Iron Maiden, oh, I guess. Yeah, Power Slave Tour. And after that, they slowly, I mean, they kind of, they didn't peter out, but they uh, they slowly kind of downturned a little bit after this. Well, I think they, they, they kind of turned towards making more uh, progressive complex type things with somewhere in time and, and, well, and, and they're, um, they kind of, I guess after from, when was it? Basically as soon as Dickinson joined and uh, number of the beast, they would tour nonstop for a year record tour. It was just, I think the schedule kind of got to him as well. So I think that's might've been like, we got to pull back or we're going to die. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think it did probably wear him down, you know? And I mean, just I, I was talking to Mark that this probably along with and, and Mark, you mentioned uh, Unleashing the East as being probably the other one. Even though a lot of people might dispute its you know legitimacy as a live record, re-record it. But it's sick. As know? far as uh, I mean, there's not a lot of live albums where I think that actually the live performance trumps the studio performance. But I think Live After Death and uh, Unleashed in the East are huge. Yeah. Yeah, big sounds, and I think they did a lot to make, you know, I mean, kind of like what Kiss Alive did, you know, oh, yeah. in terms of making... Well, them, what uh, Kiss Alive did for the live record, too. I mean, it was yeah. like one of the few live records outside of, like, Peter Frampton to go, like, double platinum or something. Yeah, yeah. well, and Frampton Comes Alive went, like, 12 times platinum no, or something, more something ridiculous like that. But, yeah, so 85 was a, you know, it was a cool year, you know, because you're, you're in a way, you're kind of, like, you're right on the cusp of, like... You know, I mean, thrash has sort of been going strong since '83 when it kind of you know mm-hmm. regenerated a little bit. But but here in '85, you start to see the emergence of uh, some of the other big thrash bands. You know, the debut of Megadeth, the debut of Exodus, the de- the debut of the Joey Belladonna era Anthrax. You know, yeah. so what we know is the kind of the big four. Yeah, you know? yeah. So part of part of that, you know, as well as you start to see things kind of move in the German thrash scene for the first time, that yep. starts to really kind of get bubbling, and then really people start talking about this idea of death metal, you know, as as this sort of new kind of burgeoning genre. In yeah, I don't sense. know when the name actually came about, but I well, mean, Possessed yeah. kind of coined Possessed the term. death metal, yeah. yeah, you know. And then the band Death was, we were, was putting out a lot of uh, tape trades at this time in 85, mm-hmm. you know, and so there was this kind of, the underground was bubbling, it wasn't probably about, I, I really feel like the underground kind of came above ground in like 86, 87 with like Napalm and yeah. some of that it stuff. Was, but, but it was still, compared to how it is now, it was, you know. Yeah. But, and, uh, you know, Repulsion, I don't know if it was Repulsion at this point or if it was still Genocide. It was still Genocide. Repulsion was 86, so. Okay. But, yeah. So they were still, you know, kind of turning away and 
throwing tapes out there as well. Yeah, so it's an it's an interesting year, and uh, you know some of the some of the records that we you know we want to mention uh, before we kind of move forward and talk about the ones we are going to play. Um, you know, I mean, there was some, I guess, borderline. Um, I don't know how you would look at like records like Wasp and Dokken and Except and Dio. I mean, Let's, I think I mean hard it's, rock. It's more the hard rock metal esque. You know, nothing I mean, extreme. Overkill could have easily made it in, but I don't think we have as much of an attachment to them as some of yeah. these other bands. Yeah, I mean, Wasp inside the Electric Circus is great, but it's like oh, that was Last Command. Actually, I was wrong. Oh, it was Last I Command. Said, yeah, yeah so. I'm not as familiar with that record, so I'm not gonna um, say Halloween Walls of Jericho, which you know for for that power metal scene is, is a fairly big record. It's kind of the debut well, of Dokken. Halloween. Yeah, I mean, Lock we, and Key. We covered that already on our sure. Rockin' with Dokken show. But. Although Under Lock and Key is probably one of the weaker records, but uh, you know, except Metal Heart, Dio, Sacred Heart, uh, you know, Dark Angel, We Have Arrived, you know, yeah. I mean, kind of. Well, and Dio, Sacred Heart had uh, a little bit too much rock and roll. Had Rock and Roll Children, Long Live. No, that, there's like two or three songs that had Rock and Roll in the yeah. title, and it was just a little bit too. Then you say it was pretty rainbowy. That's one I'm not. <clears> yeah, everything with sounded that. like you know Man on Silver Mountain or something. It was yeah. like minus the keyboards, but yeah. it was not my favorite Dio record. So a pretty pretty decent Rat record, Invasion of Privacy. Uh, Take your word on that one. Twisted <clears throat> Sister, uh, Armored Saint, second one came out. Um, Which Twisted Sister record was this? It's the one after Stay Hungry, and it doesn't Stay Hungry. I think is the only one that's worth a shit. Yeah, I know. So. It's it's it, and I can't. I don't know. I didn't write everything down. I just kind of like glanced at some things. Dead Kennedys, Frank and Christ, which, uh, you know, doesn't have the, the, I guess the staying power is, you know, fresh fruit for rotting vegetables and, and some of the yeah, plastic stuff. surgery disasters. I don't think it really has the, the cachet that those other yeah. records do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a weird era. Cause like, you know, like, like Mark and I were talking about earlier, you know, the kind of big hardcore, you know, punk movement of the early eighties has kind of like disappeared by this point, or at least a lot of it's blended into the metal scene or just directly. Well, it's kind of turned into the anarcho punk yeah, as well. So. Yeah. You know, so you've got a lot of different things kind of happen in 85, you know, it's like right before the floodgates were about to open on like kind of the underground scene, you yeah. know, especially with what's, what's kind of happening in Europe at this point. But, um, yeah, so we thought we'd start off with some Iron Maiden, and then uh, we kind of go into um, an interesting story about this next song that we're going to play. Uh, this is one where, where Mark and I were uh, trying to select a song from this record, uh, the record being Killing is... Uh, my business and my business, business is good. Business is good. Uh, pretty uh, pretty awful cover. Uh, well, there's a story behind the cover too. Oh, really? Is uh, he originally wanted Vic to be painted on the cover, uh, okay. and uh, the company lost the uh, the original artwork, so they took a plastic skull, some tin foil, and some lights, and uh, put it together. It looks like the cover <laughs> of a uh, like a really bad like a D level slasher movie from like the mid '80s. You yeah, know, it like kind of reminds grind, me of like a, like a uh, or almost like if, if King Diamond was in there as well with it, it would look like a Merciful Fate EP. That's true. It could. It could. <laughs> but King Diamond would have been in it, too. It would yeah, have just yeah, been yeah. some Halloween Jack Lantern skull or whatever. But uh, the cover we're talking about in the album we're talking about is, of course, uh, attached to the, the infamous Dave Mustaine in his debut with uh, his solo band, Megadeth. Megadeth, which yeah. is a, was it a measurement of radioact- radioactivity? Is that what it was? I think it is. Or is that a rad? I don't know. I never really knew what it was. Or no, Megadeth, I think, is Death by Radiation. Oh, it's Megadeth. Okay. Something like that. that I looked sense. it up as a kid. And uh, the tune is called Mechanics. And uh, Mark, tell us about the, oh, yeah. the interesting conclusion we came well, to. Well, because I remember my original version of Kill 'Em All, 
was like uh, it would it said you know the four horsemen and then parentheses like the mechanic mm-hmm. or something, and so basically uh, right before they recorded the record, Mustaine got canned. And uh, he took the song with him since he basically wrote it. And then Metallica took it and then rewrote the bridge and all the lyrics, which I think lyrics are way better in the Metallica versions. Yeah. So they basically, they almost sound like the exactly same songs outside of, like you, you start singing along with a mechanic, but it's like, well, this isn't Four Horsemen. What the hell is this? Yeah. So it's uh, it's kind of funny. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of surprised it never came to legal blows. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was maybe, maybe it was at a point where Metallica didn't have like that kind of... Uh, well, I would have thought that Mustaine would have done it. Just oh. out of spite because he was such an angry dude at the That's time. True. You know? That's true. <clears throat> uh, maybe maybe they cut a deal where they kind of were said, look, you know, you have your version, we'll have ours. Yeah, you know? or he like wrote that, the main uh, riff. And it's then, like the whole Kevin McClurry, uh, Ian Fleming thing with, like, Thunderball, Never Say Never Again, you know, like. I don't know that story. Oh, you don't? Uh, no. You know, like, they, they <laughs> co-wrote uh, the, the novel Thunderball. Okay. And then Ian Fleming made his version with Connery in 1965. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kevin McClurry had the rights to the movie. And in the 80s, he decided he wanted to make his version of it. And that's when he brought Connery in for Never Say Never Again with Kim Bassinger as the Bond Ooh. girl. And if you'll notice, he doesn't have the rights uh, when they did that movie to do any of the... Uh, like the typical, they couldn't use any of the Bond music or any of that, and so that's could why, they even use the name? Uh, the, yeah, they could because of the novel uses the the name James Bond and but stuff. But like they that. they couldn't use like the no the they couldn't intro use or any of that stuff. Or, you know, so that's what they had to call it. Never say never again. Okay, know? and that's why it, it feels like a Bond movie, but yet there's like it's some, something off. Something's really off, and just well, Thunderball is probably the best. Uh, Opening, oh, yeah, opening pretty- theme to a uh, to a Bond movie, the Tom Jones song, Thunderball. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, it's one of my favorite. I'm, well, I'm a fan of Tom Jones, so I I guess if you're talking vocally, I agree. Yeah. But in terms of like bombacity, I'm I'm all about uh, Honor, Majesty's Secret Service. That's one of my favorite Bond movies because yeah. I'm a big fan of uh, Lazenby. Lazenby, yeah. Well, and it's he's more like the the gentleman scientist, kind of like race Bannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Than, well, than I Connor. just like it because of the action sequence wise. We should do a James Bond podcast. We could talk we endlessly about that stuff. Yeah, the fight editing is great. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, it, it's awesome. The action sequence is great cinematography in that one. But uh, yeah, so I don't know if it's kind of like that. Like they just allowed each other to each make their own version, and that's where Megadeth came up with you know yeah. mechanics and stuff. But uh, Killing His Business is a weird record. The the it's the, uneven. The recording's kind of goofy. It, it, you know, I mean, I think a lot of like you know fans almost consider Peace Cells as like almost the the true beginning. I think that's the first like that. The first you know? fully re- like realized Megadeth yeah. record because everything else is so uneven. It's just. There's like oh there's you know sweating bullets or whatever and then there's like three turds in a row or something yeah. after that. Mega, it's a strange band outside of Rust in Peace. I've always know. fallen on the the uh, Metallica side usually. I, I'm I'm kind of a outside sing- of Rust in Peace. I'm a singles guy when it comes to Megadeth. You know, like okay. I, I love certain songs. And yeah, I don't know. I've always been able to like not have to like listen to the whole record and still enjoy them. I guess. But uh, so we thought that'd be a nice tasty treat because it kind of links us back to 1983, uh, a year I said that we if we had 11 shows we probably would have fit 83 in. So here we're uh, we're bridging generations and making yeah. uh, all listeners happy. And then we've got a, a trio of tunes after that that we'll uh, we'll talk about when we get back. So 
Enjoy uh, Megadeth from 1985's Killing His Business and Business is Good with Mechanics or the Fort Horseman, if you if you dare. Oh my God.
just heard A-I-R from Anthrax. What's that stand for? Uh, I'm not for sure, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question. I'll have, to, I'll have to look that up. Art and Resistance? I don't know. Mm. Arians and Revile? I don't Ar- know. Arians and... Uh, <laughs> I know they say it at the very end. A-I-R. A-I-R. Keep on winning. Keep on winning. It's not like NFL? Nice stuff in life? No. Uh, no, I don't think so. Hmm. I don't know. I'll have to look that up. Okay. Online. Well, Anthrax did it. Yeah. From their spreading the disease record. Yes. And we'll uh, we'll talk talk more about that in a second. Then you heard uh, Fear No Evil from Trouble and Endless Pain from Creator. And of course, we started things off with mechanics with an X, kind of like comics with an X. Whoa. Yeah. Think Mega. about it. Think about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new catchphrase. Ponder that. Ponder that. Think about it. Uh, well, anyways, we'll we'll start backwards and work our way uh, to where we were. Creator, endless pain. Feel the endless pain. Pain, as uh, Miller would say it. Miller and Venter does some cool stuff there at the end. I, I love the the first couple. Actually, almost everything up until um, like renewal in that era. They never use click tracks. Yeah. Like Ventor loves to play a little bit very sloppy. organic. I, I love that sound. So. Like everything's a little bit off, but it sounds fantastic. Yeah. And Ventor was the drummer, if you're not a uh, creator uh, familiar fan. And we did a creator show not too far back. I mean, I guess it was a it was a little ways back. Was it? It's about six months ago. Yeah. Maybe longer, actually. Six, I, I was, uh, that was around November. I think. Was it really? Yeah. Jeez. Oh, because we did the punk show and then that, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was that. For some reason, I was thinking it was last summer. but And uh, Endless Pain's their debut record. And so this was an important moment for the whole sort of German metal scene. Cause, yeah. Because uh, bands like Creator, Destruction, and Sodom were going to kind of ride the wave of this new sort They're of They're all like kind of, German yeah, three different aspects of that, yeah. that thing. Almost like, yeah, like the three different pillars of that, what would become, I guess, uh, probably one of the most influential thrash scenes out there, I think, as far as like extreme music goes outside sure. of the U.S. Yeah, heavily influential, especially on the Gothenburg scene. You know, bands like uh, Dark Tranquility drew mm-hmm. like a lot from that. I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, I think beyond that, yeah, like early black metal and stuff as well. You can definitely hear the kind of yeah, you know, Millerisms and stuff in the vocal. Well, even the, the bullet belts and, and different things like oh yeah, like destruction. destruction. Like they started like really upping the ante on the looks. I mean, Venom yeah. was a little ridiculous. These guys actually kind of look cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I love that story and uh, Sepultura, uh, Morbid when they said the covers for Morbid Visions and stuff. Oh, like their that. batteries still devastation. <laughs> yeah, the batteries that's in global metal. So. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're not familiar with the German uh, thrash metal scene, this is a good year to kind of get started in because there's a couple big records uh, that came out this year besides the Creator one, and we'll uh, we'll be talking about them a little later in the show. And then Trouble, uh, one of my favorites, uh, Fear No Evil from the Skull, their second record, I do believe, after yeah. uh, Solemn Nine, also known as Trouble. Yeah, uh, before they came out with Trouble, Trouble, with Trouble, Trouble on Deaf American and yeah. And uh, we'll probably be talking about that record some uh, later show here. But Fear No Evil's got such a, a great chorus where he's, you know, like talking about, you know, the the pa- the power of Satan and, and all that. And, you know, Trouble was it's, always... Uh, Trouble, they've always kind of been like a couple steps out of time, it seems like. Like, fantastic writing records, but it sounds like it came from like 70s. Yeah. You know? Well, the production, the... The uh, I mean, outside of like the obvious kind of like metalisms that's, that are going on in there, but it just seemed I, in the whole scheme of metal, they were like one of the first big doom bands outside of you know them and Vitus and mm-hmm. a couple of these other guys that were just kind of like treading their own thing without 
you know, admits all this like thrash. Everybody's going fast. We're going to go slow. And I was just telling you, you know, we were, we were listening to some trouble in the car when we were going down to a, a beast in the field show, uh, not too long back. And speaking of doom, yeah, speaking of doom and heaviness and, uh, yeah, so what 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 was more punk rock than what Trouble and Vitus were doing on some level? I mean, they were like... As far as being, uh, yeah, like rebelling take, from their scenes. If you take the definition of like punk, you know, which is like trying to do almost like... Well, fuck authority. Yeah, anti-establishment. <laughs> and if the establishment was, you know, glamorous, glossy music or fast, you know, thrashy stuff, yeah. these guys were doing the, the opposite of it. I Not mean, so much on a lyrical level, but... Uh, no. But, but even lyrically, they were too because they were like they were kind of coming from a not the satanic kind of background, but they were yeah. almost coming from like a more religious background. Not that they were turning into like a Christian band, but that they, they always kind of got accused of being a white metal band or you know whatever. <laughs> um, you know because their lyrics were were kind of quoted a lot of stuff from the bible and, and different things like well, that bible's a great story but that's about it yeah and he said that like you know he was raised so it's less marduk record yeah that's you know true. that's true uh, the orthodox scene yeah uh, funeral mist and mm-hmm. death spell omega all that stuff but i think again you said totally misunderstood <clears throat> trouble oh totally you know and uh this record along with uh psalm nine if you don't have those uh definitely worth getting i mean just solid skull solid slabs of uh doom metal they've been reissued uh, fairly recently on metal blade weren't they yeah that, well metal mind metal blade didn't reissue them it was uh some like italian label escape escapee with an eye at the end, kind of interesting. Escapey, escapey. It's got the DVD, you know, just happy. How was the DVD? I uh, have not watched it yet. What, what is it? Just a live performance? It's a bonus. Yeah, Aurora, Illinois, nineteen eighty four. Oh wow, Wayne's World party time. Heck yeah, party time. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so we'll have to check that out sometime. <clears throat> yeah, it's in the long list of DVDs that I have. Uh, got to watch bonus. Discs. Well, you got to put the Cannibal Corpse one up first. Yeah, I know. I know. Definitely. I've owned that for like over a year. It's kind of pathetic. And uh, Anthrax, Spreading the Disease, Joey Belladonna. Virgin uh, time here for him. Yes. His first time out of the gate. Because what happened is they had uh, Neil Turbin, was his name, on vocals. Not a fantastic singer. No, wasn't very good at all. Uh, he, he didn't really fit with the, the sound of Anthrax. He, yeah. he was kind of like a traditional vocalist and... Anthrax was looking for somebody that could like you know sing fast to go along with that sort of like moshy kind of sound that they were doing. Well, st- I mean, their whole thing's kind of staccato and muted palm, chunk yeah. chunk 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 chunk, you know, exactly. kind of stuff. And what what the other person that was involved back in this time was uh, Dan Lochner, uh, and both of them left. And then um, nuclear assault was born, dude. Nuclear assault was born. <laughs> yes, it was. And probably more importantly, in '85 for Lochner was probably SOD was born. You know, yeah, which kind of put him on the map. But then uh, you know, Anthrax kind of got their their crap together for spreading the disease, and it's a you know they had the first big hit off this record. You know, Madhouse, which uh, you know we we're gonna play, but Madhouse everybody's heard it. And ARR, I think, is uh that's more their their battery or something you know it's yeah. like kind of their album opener that just kind of you know hits you right in the face um in thought, their own kind of is it way. um state of euphoria that al jaffe did the cartoon of the guys inside yes okay yeah Mad that's state of euphoria okay yep. uh what, did he do stuff for mad yeah he okay. was a long time Mad magazine artist but uh you know i mean anthrax obviously I, you know we did a podcast on them uh i mean we could go into a lot of the the historical stuff with them but you know 
just the very fact that, as Mark mentioned before, part of the the so-called Big Four, although I would argue you five. could probably round out six. to five or six with Testament and Exodus, but... Um, yeah, Exodus always got the kind of shaft on it, didn't they? They really got screwed. We'll we'll talk about that and later. Who has better crunch than Exodus? That's true. You know? Well, and we'll we'll get into some Exodus later and, and talk about how uh, they should actually be in the 1984 show. Yeah, uh, but uh, something kind of went down with their record, and it, it didn't. But I think between well. right now, we've got Megadeth and Anthrax both kind of like finally figuring out who the hell they are sure. to some degree, at least baby steps for both yeah. of them. And I think within, you know, the even though Spreading the Disease and Killing His Business are both great foundational records, you know, both bands are going to kind of come back with their, for a lot of people, their their first masterpiece, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is Peace Cells for Megadeth and then Among the Living for Anthrax, you know, and that's going to really kind of set them up for success. And then ironically, both kind of have their progressive masterpieces in the same year with persistence of time and rest in peace so yeah they kind of follow the same trajectory if only uh among the living had come out in 86 when peace sells ah, but people don't think about lists when they put out their records no they? they don't those bastards and well, uh emperor, perfect example what's that emperor yeah nice exactly. eclipse. emperor kind of was uh that's that's like the <clears throat> the bonded by blood of the 90s almost yeah you know, record although show. i think it was probably better for you know for yeah. that they didn't put it out when they did yeah and we talked about that i think on our, our podcast mm-hmm. i remember but um, anyways, we want to uh, get keep it moving with the, uh, the the 1985 year. Let us know what your thoughts are. If, if there's a record too that we uh, we missed, because I mean we, we could have totally missed. We we researched as best as possible. I mean we skimmed time our, we had, uh, yeah. our our record collections and did some research online and stuff like that. But uh, who knows? Maybe uh, by the end of the show, you'll realize we didn't miss your favorite record. Well, we'll do what VH1 did, and we'll come back and we'll do uh, the 1985 part two. Part two, you yeah. know, the Redux yeah. version. We'll do that in five, six years from now <laughs> yeah. when we've run out of other ideas. But uh, possessed. Yes. There's, uh, I don't know, one could argue this might be the most important record on this list because of just the, the historical impact that this record is sort of given in a way, which is... Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, kind of the first death metal album. Yeah, I mean, Seven Churches is, is tremendous. And it's it's funny because it's one of those records I think, you know, you and I would talk about it sometimes, that we just kind of like dismiss. But then every time I kind of pick it up and listen to it a little bit, I'm like this is better than I thought it was or better mm-hmm. than I remember it being. And, and well, it really, I knew it was important, but it was so, um, it wasn't as accessible as Celtic frost to get into when you're younger. And I was like, well, okay, I, I guess it's got historical relevance, but it, it does. I don't really care mm-hmm. as much, but now after listening to stuff forever, you go back and throw it on today. And I was like, God, this is fantastic. Yeah. I, I just bought it on vinyl. Did you? Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And seven churches, this is a record. You know, I waited forever to get this. Yeah. I didn't get this until, you know, four or five years ago i mean i think i had it somewhere like uh like a burnt copy that i used to have a tape of it or, yeah. yeah something like that and i remember grindcore coon had like a do you remember combat put out those it was like death fate they did one for dark angel the best oh, like of best dark of, angel yeah. they did a best of possessed like that as well and i used, i borrowed that a couple times from coon and you know it was fine but at the same time i i didn't really like get into it you mm-hmm. know um, and I never really sat down and gave this record its its kind of due time. And of course, the most famous part about this record, in a historical sense, besides the sound and, and the the screaming vocals and all this sort of elements, is the actual title. The fact that they they name a song death metal, and mm-hmm. of course it sticks and becomes kind of the name of the genre, if you will. But uh, 
Yeah, truly, uh, you know, I mean, if you're one of uh, a newer generation of listeners out there, you know, who are listening to the podcast, who maybe don't have that historical appreciation for Possessed, that's, you know, Seven Churches is a, is a great place to to start for sure. Oh, yeah. And it should be in everybody's record collection, kind of like, you know, uh, Morbid Tales from Celtic Frost. or Well, you, you should know. have every Celtic Frost record. This is true. Even uh, Cold Even Lake. Even Cold Lake. If you get a copy of Cold Lake. Again, dance. Dance. Cherry Orchards. Uh, I, I yeah, I got it, but uh, it's just I'm a completist, you know. Did you get Cold Lake? Well, I've got the MP3s of it. Oh, it's too expensive to to buy. It's like for some reason it's out of print. You know what? I oh, Vandy Nemesis too. It's got some good. I like not, Vandy not that I want to go on a, a, a tangent, but Vandy Nemesis has some awesome riffs, awful imagery. And vocals are hideous. Yeah, but some of the riffs are really, really good. Yeah, it's 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 better than we thought. It was funny because after we did that Celtic Frost show, I, I found Vanny Nemesis used. Oh yeah, and uh, uh, longtime listener of the show, very vocal listener of the show, Rishi uh, sent it to me as well. So thank you, Rishi. Yes, appreciate that. And uh, so, anyways, we're gonna get kicking with some uh, possessed to start things off. And this is a, a pretty rocking tune called Pentagram. It's got a pretty evil intro. Uh, some of the better, uh, better done kind of. Uh, whoa, whoa! To Sto- heal earth and sea. It's storming outside <laughs> as we're about to uh, unleash, unleash uh, the beast. possessed pentagram. Yeah, so kind of creepy. No, it's got like a Rosemary's Babyish kind of like demonic, you know, opener that became pretty pat. But yeah. they, they're probably one of the first ones to kind of do it well. For sure, for sure. And then we're gonna kind of, uh, you'll see, we'll take it into a different direction for a moment, kind of lighten the mood a little bit, and then, oh, yeah. uh, get back into some more evil <laughs> stuff. So, enjoy possessed pentagram. Yeah. 
That was. And then there were none. Yeah, by the Mighty Exodus. And the Mighty Exodus. Before that was a family classic of the Disney film Necrophiliac from Slayer, Hell Awaits. And then Celtic Frost, Jewel Throne, which is one of the few songs we did not play from uh, To Make a Theory on. Which is a good it. song, too. I yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, it's a good, good tune. And then from uh, the classic crossover punk hardcore, maybe metal record. I wouldn't say metal, but... You know. oh, punk kids would say it's metal. Yeah, that's true. It did piss some people off. Yeah. And that's uh, DRI, uh, I'd Rather Be Sleeping, from Dealing With It. Um, but I think a band, yeah, like an album like that is pretty, I think, important to the whole like grindcore and like what happened with Scum and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And leading, people, leading along those lines. Well, you know, people like Barney Greenway and the guys from Anthrax and, and you know, uh, Dave Lombardo from Slayer and, and a lot of other people and, you know, voice like total approval of like how important that record DRI was. Because mm-hmm. what it did is it, it sort of like presented the possibility of speed in a way that I don't think a lot of people had heard anything go as fast consistently yeah. as, as you know, that record sort of propels now, you know, to a punk kid, you know, it, it probably seemed too metallic. And then for the, well, it had, it had solos on it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a no, no dude. Well, and, and it's going to get worse for DRI because they're going to do crossover and then thrash attack are like their next two records. Yeah. And then at that point, like they kind of sold out. I think the other thing that really pissed people off about DRI on this with dealing with it and uh, Barney Greenway was talking about this in the Decibel Hall of Fame was how there were some people that wouldn't even listen to the record simply because Metal Blade put it out. Well, I'm not surprised. You know, yeah. they just would totally dismiss it, you know, and wouldn't even give it the time of day. Well, even it though has metal in the title. I think it had, you know, <laughs> well, yeah. Metal blade. Yeah, I know. And that's still like blades or metal, dude. And isn't that funny, you know, because I mean, nowadays something like that wouldn't even really matter. No, not so much. I mean, the, the, it's all it's so homogenous. The, the walls are sort of you know down, but this truly was a time when uh, you know there was a line drawn in the sand, and you know the the long haired metal crowd uh, didn't hang out with the short haired uh, you know. Uh, well, the Mohawk crowd Mohawked back before crowd it was a Mr. T kind of thing, yeah. So before it was Mr. T. That's true. We can't, yeah. uh, you know, Mr. T did. Oh, but then before the one. punks, they had the uh, oh god, what was that uh, that faction of the military that had Mohawks. The, the Airborne Rangers. Oh, did they really? Yeah. I know it. Yeah, there's like a faction of the Airborne Rangers that had Mohawks. Granted, they were short, but... That and then, sense. you know, it goes back to the Indians. This is Native true. Native Americans before that. This uh, is true. History of the Mohawk coming up next yeah. on the Requiem. Which connects back to uh, us talking about anthrax with the uh, Indians. You know, There you go. Uh, I mean, Cry for the Indians, all man. Comes, all comes full circle. And then, of course, we started things off with Possessed Pentagram, but, you know, getting back to DRI, I'd rather be sleepy. I mean, it's only a minute and nine seconds, but again, you, you kind of get to hear a lot of the elements. And that's probably a band some of you out there listening, you know, probably aren't as familiar with. You Everybody's know? seen their, uh, their kind of insignia. Mm-hmm. You know, the little dude, like, in a mosh position almost yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But. And uh, oftentimes they'll have, like, the cross, but not, like, straight-edge cross, but, like, for crossover. Yeah. Yeah, I used to see that kind of stuff, too. But Dirty Rotten Imbeciles, that's what DRI stood for. And uh, I was I became familiar with DRI probably intentionally, and I think this is why they made this record, was for people like me and my generation, but from uh, Slayer's Undisputed Attitude. Uh, They're punk covers. Yeah, they did a cover of Violent Pacification. It was it was pretty pretty awesome. And see, I didn't like DRI because it was a, too much of a punk band. Uh, t- I, and now, I was young then. Now you're a changed person though. I know. You're you're more open minded. I know. To uh, I got the, the punk, punk records in my collection. Stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, 
I, I think the ne- I think the song after that also has enough of a, a punk vibe to me. You know, that's uh, Celtic Frost. They always kind of had that jewel throne, dude. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. There's well, as far Celtic Frost always had a punk attitude to their approach to writing songs. Yeah, there's the sloppiness and this everything about it. I mean, you know, uh, and I mean, we go on and on about Celtic Frost, but we already did. We've done two shows on uh, already. So, but 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 to you know to sort of summarize what to Megatherion meant. I mean, this was like really the first. I guess polished uh, alongside possessed uh, seven churches, probably you know the one of the first polished kind of like semi popular. Um, well, I think it was quite death popular metal records, you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. And it had like a lot of experimentation on it and stuff. You know, we talked about the use of like keyboards and orchestration and different instruments and things like that. Well, I think it was the first time that uh, Tom G was actually able to capture that tone of his guitar like how he wanted it sure because if you notice like as as you go through their career he's never about flash he's always about that sustained note in in the music and how you know how like uh i guess oppressive he can make it like look at like monotheist what he does on that sure and a tune like jewel throne i think is it's warmer in a way than some of the stuff on morbid tales and emperor's return and it's got a lot more breathing room i think too you know and it's almost like god it's catchier than hell it's really super catchy and we should go we'd be remiss if we didn't say that in 1985 this is also the year that emperor's return came out the the ep Mm -hmm. which they're kind of synonymous go together you know they're chuckling peanut butter Mm -hmm. yeah and you can find emperor's return at least the music that was on it usually it's tacked on to morbid tales and we talked about Mm -hmm. that on the the show so you know celtic frost was you know they were uh, busy beavers in 1985 uh really making you know quite a lot of headway you know i'd say they they between 84 and 85 they kind of you know solidified their whole reputation oh yeah i mean i think they could have probably retired then and still been considered in the same you know revered in the same way that possessed was Probably. Sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, Possessed is really only talked about for seven churches and sometimes beyond the gates, but it's almost exclusively just one record. Yeah. You know, so. Well, if anybody's interested in Celtic Frost, go check out bazillionpoints.com and get Only Death is Real, the early, what is it, the early years, or the uh, basically the origins of uh, Hellhammer in the early years of Celtic Frost. It's a pretty sweet book. It's, I mean. it's full of like photos that you that you don't even have of yourself doing yeah. these kind of things like yeah. i cannot believe how much documentation there is it's a really cool book and this is something that's pretty cool about metal these days i mean you know here we are doing this top 10 countdown which is you know semi-arbitrary and it's kind of fun for us to to do and kind of make a mixtape of a year or whatever but you know like mark and i have been talking about this over and over again and, and not to you know uh you know beat the point into the ground but you know, you've got books like this, and you've got the Swedish death metal, Swedish death choosing metal death. Book. Yeah, I mean, there's so much documentation coming out, and just today, Mark and I were kind of, you know, again talking about the the fact that we're getting um, a lot of our old issues from Eclipse and Requiem scanned in to to put out some kind of omnibus of it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, and, and we think that there's probably like a scene out there for that kind of stuff, you know, people that would be interested in reading a lot of those old interviews and kind of seeing mm-hmm. a lot of those old album reviews. Well, just the other yeah, whole historical like uh, community, yeah, yeah, aspect of uh, of the fanzine circuit was was huge. Mm-hmm. Like that's outside of uh what is it uh Slayer Mag's supposed to be coming out with like a big yeah, bound the, version the, of Metal. <laughs> which will stuff. blow ours away, but uh, Yeah, that's okay. Right. That's right. We were uh, we were self published, uh, you know. Thing well, and actually, we talked about we've been. This has been in the process for two years now, so technically, we're not riding coattails here. Yes, this, this is true. And and they haven't, you know, maybe we'll beat them to the punch. Who knows how long it'll take we'll, them we'll to see. get there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but anyway, so check out that that uh, Celtic Frost book. It's it's pretty awesome. So, 
And then uh, a favorite of uh, a personal favorite of mine, and like I said, a, a Disney family classic, and that's Necrophiliac from Slayer's Hell Awaits. Uh, Their worst produced album, <laughs> probably. Yeah, although you could maybe say that um, uh, some of that stuff in the late '90s, when like they they were kind of they had a little too bit too much of the new metal sound in them oh yeah like i'm Diablos. thinking from their from their new but yeah yeah or their early era from a because like hunting the chapel uh, that has a great sound to it yeah, yeah and i don't know why they didn't try and get that same sound because to me it's the same era in a way it seems like they turned down all the trouble yeah like it's just it's all like all mid-tones or something it always bugged me it's a weird it's it's a very uh there's a echoey nature to to the record mm-hmm. that's that's weird you know it seems like the producer didn't know what he how to capture what they were doing well and, and the thing about hello weights that they were trying to do too is they they were you know going from these like kind of faster um i don't know short but sweet type sound songs that they were doing on show no mercy and they started to get a little bit more epic with like chemical warfare and the hunting the chapel and stuff yeah. but then to me hello weights really f- like felt like a they were bathing in a lot of merciful fate and they were writing a lot of longer, mm-hmm. you know, more epic tunes. I mean, the title track alone is like seven minutes long. And then yeah. at dawn, they sleeps like six minutes long. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's probably the, well, out of the, I don't include a lot of the nineties Slayer stuff in my normal listening repertoire for them, but that's probably the one I listen to the least. Really? It's Halloween too. And I go in, I go in little like, you know, bits and, you know, when I first got Halloween's, I listened to it maybe more. I think at that point when I first got Hello Waits, I'd burn out South of Heaven and, and Seasons and all oh, that sort of tape? stuff. Yeah, I think <laughs> I just kind of killed them. And, uh, you know, this record was was pretty important because it showed me a totally different side. You know, I was familiar yeah. with the, the Rain and Blood kind of stuff, the faster, you know, just like a violent. And this was like a, a sound I hadn't really heard before, this kind of long sinister kind of yeah. you know like like i said merciful fate like songs it was before i was familiar with merciful fate but uh necrophiliac in particular you know this is one i wish they'd play live a little bit more because it's just got some uh some, why don't they some great breakdowns i don't know i mean i mean it's really it's really fast yeah and it's got a lot of like super speedy like riffing and and it's long <laughs> maybe i don't know well it's only 346 <clears throat> it's not it's it's well, one of the shortest slayer terms i guess yeah i guess but you know, it's got that great like breakdown where he's like, you know, uh, Lucifer takes your dark soul, you know, down to the fire pits of hell, <laughs> you know, dun, 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 dun. and uh, I don't know, it's it's a classic in my my opinion. And uh, if you don't have Halloweights, even though Mark's, you know, I think Mark would would I think you'd agree that even though it's poorly produced, it's still. I mean, even a bad Slayer record from that era is still better. Oh, you should totally. If you don't have in your collection, shame on you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean. You should have everything up to seasons. And then after that, pick and choose. A lot of of stuff from this era, I think, does suffer from from poor production, you know. And uh, speaking of poor production on a a weird level, I don't know if it's poor production. It's, I think, poor vocal production is is what Exodus, Bonded by Blood, kind of suffered from. Even the, the remaster. Which I think we're, the the track that we're going to play is from the remaster. Uh, Balov's vocals are. It sounds like he was in. He recorded them a different day in a completely different setup. Like the ambient noise of of the actual music is totally different than his. Like the room noise on his voice it sounds yeah, awful. He falls in and out of key a lot and stuff. Which I'm fine with that, but it's just the 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 audio production's terrible. Yeah, it just you're right. It's just some of the stuff didn't fit very well. Yeah. 
you know, and bind it by blood, which is where and then there were none. The song you just heard, uh, the final song of that set, came from. It, you know, again, this is a, a record that should have been out in 1984. A lot of people think that had it been put out in 1984, they may have leapfrogged in to become part of that big four. Oh, I think so. Um, and the fact that it came out so, you know, got delayed a year and mm-hmm. it was already it was sitting around done, but um, there were. I don't know if it was record label issues or, or there was just stuff going on with it where it, it just couldn't see the light of day. And by the time it did, you know, I mean, Megadeth had put out their debut. Anthrax had, had put out, you know, Spraying the Disease. Yeah. And I just think, you know, they, they sort of missed this golden opportunity to seize on this, like, early thrash kind of stuff. But, As the testament. You know, yeah. You know, but although testament didn't do it by fault because they were just no, late, they're late just a little to the late game. to the game. But as far as like chops and everything went, but I think if you talk to people today, <laughs> I mean, Bonded by Blood has this sort of reputation to it where it's it's so revered and it's a record that, like, to tell you the truth, I I kind of um, you know heard bits and pieces of throughout the years. I didn't mm-hmm. really like own a, my own copy of it until relatively recently, and uh, I had the previous version that I don't know if it's a bootleg, but it was like the red and the black red, speckled red one. and yellow. Black, I don't know yeah. what the hell that was about, but yeah, yeah. it's it's a uh, this cover I have. It's kind of Cain and Abel like attached together, you know, good and evil Terrible kind of painting. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> just awful. <laughs> but you know, a lot of thrash metal records had, had awful kind yeah, of stuff I, like I, that. I don't I don't really mind it at all. But it's, it's, it's it's awful, but it's awful in like a death spiritual healing kind yeah, of yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, this song, you know, the violence that was behind some of their soloing and things like that. Oh, Gary I mean, Holt's guitar tone is like never been matched i don't think as far yeah. as like the crunch for thrash sure it's, it's like the best tone i think out there well and supposedly kirk hammett taught him how to play and that's why you hear so many like kind of examples of of songs you know that sound a lot like metallic or maybe metallica sounds a lot like exodus you know i mean which seems like they're they're kind of approach to songwriting is very different though i know well it, they are, but then you hear like similarities, like a tune we you know you didn't hear was Metal Command, which sounds a lot like Motor Breath. It's almost like the same riff and stuff, and so obey the Metal Command. Yeah, bang your head against the stage. There's uh, there's Metal takes its toll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's ball. got some great uh, party lyrics. Actually, is off is is uh, Baloff's. It's Paul Baloff, right? Yep. That's how you pronounce it? Yep. Because uh, there's was, wasn't Baloff a uh, oh Balak is a dude from Indiana Jones. Now you, uh, now you, <laughs> now you're gonna take me into a loop. I can't, I can't quite follow. But uh, no, Me, uh, meandering forest. Yeah, Balaf's vocals is like weirdly as they're delivered. He's got really interesting choices as far as his timing goes. Yeah, and like holding weird notes out, like one another. You know, when he's doing like just holding out notes, like or uh, lyrics that do not make sense. Like he's drunk, or I don't know what, but it somehow works really well. And they were, they were kind of, you know, they were out on the. <clears throat> kind of playing the thrash circuit of san francisco i think even like a year or two before metallica was mm-hmm. but it just well, metallica took, moved there i think it right? just took them longer you know to yeah. get signed and longer to get that that first record out and i mean well in exodus uh, maybe at the time people thought of the uh, bob marley records it's true <laughs> <laughs> or, think about it, yeah. or possibly you know charles and heston or something like that who knows you know? i mean who knows but it it's the older I get, the more I start to appreciate the record. Um, I don't know if I love like every aspect of it, but like I, I song like, and then there were none or, um, um, the, 
uh, a lesson of violence. That was the one mm-hmm. I was trying to think of. You know, the solos on that, like you said, I mean, the fierce, you know, thrashy guitar tone, it's just um, unmatched. He does some cool vocals on this tune, though. I mean, it's one of the, the more unique uh, vocal performances from him because he kind of does some more melodic singing, which I guess melodic Paul Baloff is not, you know, like fantastic, but it's it's kind of. Yeah, I don't know really who to compare him to. He's got a really goofy. It's it's his own thing, you know. It's like a Brian Johnson ACDC thing, but just yeah. weirder. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I I think those vocals are they're sort of the love or you know the love them or leave them aspect of they're less accessible or i think they're totally less accessible accessible than uh headfield yeah i mean headfield is like kind of whiny ish as some of the early ones were it's i think it's way easier to get past that than it is some guy that sounds like he's wailing well what i was going to say is they're they're kind of divisive in the same way that i think mustangs vocals have been for some people or Candlemas. yeah (laughs) some people you know or or any do you want to listen to Candlemas? you want to listen to trouble you know if like i could see People not getting into one or sure, the other. Sure. At least not right away. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's a change of perspective, you know. So, but uh, yeah, so that's, you know, that Bonded by Blood, you know, Possessed, those are sort of uh, two records that, that come to mind on that we've played so far that I think, I think now in hindsight are kind of undisputed classics, but at the time maybe were uh, kind of. They're successful, misplaced. but I think, I think after you've got more music under your belt, you can kind of dig a little bit deeper and dissect what they're doing. Well, and you can see who you can get was, past the production too. Well, not only that, but like who, who kind of like, you know, was riding a, a wave of popularity or trend and who was like writing music that like kind of stood the test of time in terms of like having yeah. a, a direct, you know, more impactful kind of thing. And, and that's kind of the records that we're trying to look at when we throw together this 85, you know I mean? Like you said, we could have put the stuff that was like charting, you know, a lot more like the, the Dawkins, the accepts and those kind of things. But, but look at rats you know but yeah look at look at who they impacted yeah you know i mean not not too many i mean do you could argue but anyways so we have uh we've come to the end of uh 1985 already and yeah uh, so many historical facts that uh you know we've taught you about uh <laughs> earthquakes and yeah how many of our and, listeners were born in 1985 that's yeah. something i like to know wow yeah but some of our listeners might very well also have kids that were born in 1985 yeah, no doubt. That, that's the beauty of metal and that's the weird part, you know, I mean, like, Mark and I, when we throw something like this together, I mean, neither he or I are going to presuppose that we were uh, listening to a lot of metal in 1985, other than probably what was on, you know. I was listening to Hard Rock in 1985. I was going to say. I was listening to Hall & Oates in 1985. Nice. Huey Lewis in the News, baby. Yeah. That's, uh, that's where I was. You know, this was a year before I discovered uh, Bon Jovi and Poison, let's just put it that way. Yeah, you know, so, I mean, you know, it wasn't. Was an exact full fruitful metal time for me and uh, my my youth, but so you know this is our our perspective having kind of lived through metal and being able to kind of go back and compile all this stuff. But we got a trio of songs that we're going to leave you with tonight, and we'll we'll talk about those in a moment. But uh, just as a reminder, you know, um, we've been kind of having some issues with uh, the website. If you've been checking it out, but I think everything's the website's back right it was now. down for four days I, and most people i don't think actually check the websites mostly through itunes yeah yeah but uh there's going to be some issues for a while is that you can't stream the show on the site 
but probably not many people do that anyways. Sure. But there's a download link directly on the post where you can download it, or you can just click on it and uh, play it via QuickTime. Okay. Okay. But uh, yeah, there's been some some issues with the site, so uh, they're fixed now. But there's going to be a couple weeks before everything's tip top. Well, and if you haven't been to the site, you know, check us out requiempodcast at uh, dot com or uh, shoot us an email at requiempodcast at gmail dot com to let us know what you thought of the the show and let us know if we, uh, you know. Played uh maybe didn't play a particular track that you uh, enjoyed or, or if there's a really obvious band we totally forgot because yeah. I could see that yeah. in the case yeah well, that's okay yeah uh, we did our best try try to cover as many bases as possible but uh you know check out the site you know there's uh you know mugs and t-shirts and you can make a donation help us out with uh, some of the costs and things like that especially with all the we've actually uh, sold a couple t-shirts have we cool yeah. Nice. Made uh, not much money, but it's a, it's ni- it's a nice gesture. Hey, appreciate you it. Know, and we know that there's people out there then uh, kind of promoting the the podcast somewhere. You yeah, know, some some land far away. But uh, yeah. So, anyways, give us some feedback. Uh, shoot us uh, some comments on iTunes. Uh, do what you can. We appreciate hearing from you. Tell a friend. Yes. Tell a friend to download. It's free. It's, it's free totally free. For the whole and uh, we got trio left of tunes, and we're going to start off with a uh, another family uh, classic from uh, Speak English or Die. And this mm-hmm. is a record that you uh, you said I'm not a big fan of Billy Milano. Not a big kind fan. of loudmouth butthole. He is. But, uh, I agree. But so that that was just a and, and it seemed like it's so close to other stuff. Anthrax, basically, you know, it's another half of Anthrax and Lilkner in there as well. So it's like, although I guess if you listen to this in. At the same time, in the context of nineteen eighty-five, like, it's spreading pretty the disease. Huge. Yeah, you know, I mean, spreading the disease didn't have the energy that SOD had. No, you know? and so like, if I was gonna pick one of the two to probably listen to more often, I probably listen to SOD, even though songwriting wise, like they're not writing like great songs. I mean, they're kind of yeah. joke songs or, or whatever. And I think it, the whole joke bandish kind of thing was that always turned me off as a kid because sure. I was so dead serious. Metal had to be awesome yeah it had to be so so serious and i just listen to sod because of the riffs i just i love like you know i mean it's fast heavy and again talking about crossover this is uh this is this is crossover they were they were trying to uh you know kind of bring it all together with this but uh anyways two minutes of glory it's pussy whipped uh yeah. you know uh i you can figure it out for yourself but uh, it's got it's a colorful term. Most people know what it means. Yes, and then we've uh, we're gonna end with I think two very forward thinking, forward uh, moving songs in terms of the influence they're gonna have way down the road. Maybe uh, underappreciated at this time. Maybe not exactly pivotal records in 1985, but I think they. Uh, I think they, well, at least destruction. I think was pretty well under the radar at this point. Sure. Even though they had uh, you know they kind of squeaked in just a little bit before Creator, but. What they're doing on, on uh, Bestial Devastation, this track that we're going to play is... From Infernal Overkill. Infernal Overkill is yeah. pretty unbelievable as far as, like, technicality, speed, brutality, the whole the whole thing's yeah. there. It's a total it's, package. It's a death metal song. Yeah, total package. And I would almost... Those are almost the two sides. Like, Possessed is the American version of death metal. Destruction's the, the, the European side. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, continuing the... Uh, Genesis of black metal uh, on Bathory's second record, The Return, comes our final song of the evening in a kind of a good, evil way to sort of send things out. And Watch just, out for that scream when you're driving. My scary. The Return of Darkness and Evil. So uh, we've we've said lots about Bathory. Most of you know. Most of you need to know about Bathory. We, we did a podcast on Bathory. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, it's a it's a good, evil way, and it's a, it's the one man show of Corthon. So. 
Enjoy Pussy Whip from SOD, Speak English or Die, Be Seal Devastation from Destruction's Infernal Overkill, and from The Return by Bathory, Return of Darkness and Evil. Direct the Metal Podcast, I'm Jason. And we'll return next week with more Darkness and Evil. And I'm Mark. Yes.
Revelation. Revelation.